Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. Last week, we were talking about, uh, how shall I call it, Methodist changes on divorce uh, in between our calls. And we got a number of good calls, and we hope you'll call us tonight. We can talk about any Bible topic you're interested in. We started last week with Matthew 19, 9. Jesus said there, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. So if I divorce my wife for any reason other than her cheating on me, and I marry another, then that second marriage is called adulterous. It would seem obvious that you can't just stay in that marriage. You'd have to, you can't keep on committing adultery and be forgiven for it. You have to repent of it. And that means terminate the marriage, seek reconciliation with the original spouse. And last week we talked about Methodist changes on this divorce issue, but we never got to read the changes because we got so many calls, we didn't get to it. But we read 1896 from the Methodist Creed book, no divorce except for adultery shall be regarded by the church as lawful. And no minister shall solemnize marriage in any case where there is a divorced wife or husband living, but this rule shall not be applied to the innocent party to a divorce for the cause of adultery. Now, it's in different words, but what the Methodist Church stood for in 1896 was exactly what Jesus taught in Matthew 19.9. No divorce except for adultery shall be regarded by the church as lawful. And they go on to say, if a couple presents themselves for marriage and one of them has been divorced for another reason, they will not perform the wedding ceremony. Because they don't want to become a partaker in that couple's evil deeds by joining them into a marriage that Jesus teaches is adulterous. So in 1896, the Methodist Church officially, in their creed book, stated that exactly what Jesus said in Matthew 19, they were in agreement with Jesus on that. But let's fast forward to 1940. Same Methodist creed book, 1940. No minister shall solemnize the marriage of a divorced person whose wife or husband is living, but this rule shall not apply to the innocent person when it is clearly established by competent testimony that the true cause for divorce was adultery, and get this, or other vicious conditions which through mental or physical cruelty or physical peril invalidated the marriage vow. Now, there's not a whole lot of difference in what they say in 1940 and what they say in 1896. Not a whole lot of difference in 1940 and what Jesus says in Matthew 19.9, but there's a little. What their quote in 1896 said was in agreement with Matthew 19.9, that the only scriptural cause for divorce was fornication or adultery, and any subsequent remarriage would result in adultery. Now, in 1940, they stick with that, except they say, except the cause for the divorce was adultery or other vicious conditions, mental or physical cruelty. Now, they've only had one scriptural cause. With Jesus in Matthew 19, 9, and with the Methodist Church in 1896, there was only one scriptural cause, fornication or adultery. Now they've added one more scriptural cause. It can be adultery or mental or physical cruelty. No, not, not a lot of change, but there's some change. And you know, once you leave what the Word of God says, then you open up the door for mega compromise because you don't have a leg to stand on. How can somebody say, well, I want to get a divorce because my husband bites his fingernails? Well, that that's not right. Why not? How can you stand against that because you're allowing divorces as a church for reasons other than fornication, things that the Bible doesn't allow? So I, how can you stand against me? If you can allow divorce for reasons other than what the Bible allows then I can allow it to do the same thing and I can pick my own reasons. Sure enough, in 1960, 
Here's the same Methodist creed book. In view of the seriousness with which the scriptures regard divorce, a minister may solemnize, that means perform the wedding ceremony, uh, pronounce them man or wife, may solemnize the marriage of a divorced person only when he has satisfied himself by careful counseling that A, the divorced person is sufficiently aware of the factors leading to the failure of the previous marriage, B, the divorced person is sincerely preparing to make the proposed marriage truly Christian, and C, sufficient time has elapsed for adequate counseling. Did you notice what is absent from that statement by the Methodist Church in 1960? It doesn't even state what the cause for divorce is. At least they used to state the cause had to be for adultery or mental anguish or mental cruelty. But now you can get a divorce for any reason. And we, as the Methodist Church, will marry you into a second marriage as long as you're willing to go through counseling. Doesn't matter what the cause for your divorce in the first marriage was. Doesn't have anything to do with it. If you're willing to go through counseling, we're going to be willing to marry you. You see the change? Now, I'm not just picking on the Methodist Church. I'm just using them as an illustration because I have these quotes from the Methodist Creed book. 95% of the churches out there have made this exact compromise. What I'm saying is, if you go back 100 years ago, 100% of the churches stood for the truth that if you divorce your wife for any reason other than fornication, or they divorce you, and you remarry, your second marriage is adulterous. And if you want to be right with God, if you want to receive forgiveness for that adultery, that second marriage is adulterous, by the way, according to Jesus. You're going to have to terminate that marriage, seek reconciliation with the original spouse. 95% of churches have compromised on this since in the last 100 years. It's not just the Methodist Church. If you have a Bible question or comment, the lines are wide open. Call us at 877-655-6755. The number to call if you want to ask any Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. Fast forward 24 more years to 1984, same Methodist Creed book, where marriage partners, even after thoughtful consideration and counsel, are estranged beyond reconciliation. We recognize divorce as regrettable, but recognize the right of divorced persons to remarry. We encourage an accepting commitment of the church to minister to the members of divorced families. Did you notice the difference in what... They said here in 1984 and what they said in 1896, 1896, no divorce except for adultery shall be regarded by the church as lawful. Now they're not saying these divorces are unlawful. They're saying they're regrettable. In 1896, they said we won't marry folks, a couple, if one of them has been in a previous marriage. Now they're saying but we recognize the right of divorced persons to remarry. Quite a difference in where the Methodist church stands in 1984 than where they stood in 1896. Then the main thing is, it's not so much that they're different from 1896. The main thing is, is there quite a difference in what the Methodist church stood for on divorce and remarriage in 1984 than what Jesus stood for in Matthew 19.9 in passages similar to that. That's the problem. Now, what would you expect if the Methodist church is allowing people to be in adulterous marriages? The next thing you would expect is that they would allow Gay marriages. We'll look at that in just a minute. Gary from Mississippi, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hey, uh, brother, how you doing this evening? Thanks for your call, Gary. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I asked how you were doing. I, obviously, you're doing well. I, as a yeah, I'm sorry. Question. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. 
Thank you. Look, you know, I I, uh, I agree, uh, Patrick, that in our society that uh, loose divorces have uh, run rampant. But uh, I don't uh, – when I read that scripture where uh, it's talking about uh, adultery uh, in divorce, I don't perceive that to be the scripture saying that's the only – I think that the Bible is giving, uh, uh, giving vent for an individual who was caught up in an adulterous uh situation to get a divorce but i i don't perceive that from my knowledge of the scriptures and i've been in the scriptures for about a half century i don't perceive that to be the only prerequisite uh let me ask you a question are you the father of daughters i got one daughter and three sons okay now you know in this society you know uh, it's, it's no secret there are a lot of situations where women are subjected to violence and marriages Hey, Gary, are you still there? Gary, let, let's look at I'm not sure Gary's still there. Let's look at a passage like John 8, 24. In John 8, 24, Jesus says, I said, therefore, unto you that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am your sins, you shall that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. That's the force of the word except that this is the only way you can avoid dying in your sins is if you believe in Jesus. How about another passage? How about a passage we're all familiar with, I think? John chapter 3, verse 3. We're just trying to show what this word accept means. In John 3, 3, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What does accept there mean? It means, you correct me if I'm wrong, that the only way you can be See the kingdom of God as if you're born again. Except men be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So this is the only way that you can be saved. See the kingdom of God is by being born again. You can't be saved another way because it says except a man be born again. Well, let's apply that to Matthew 19.9. Whoever puts away his wife except it be for fornication and marry another commits adultery. So if you divorce your spouse for any other reason and you marry another, you're living in adultery. That's the force of the exception clause. That's what accept means. Michelle, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Okay, thank you. Um, a married couple and the spouse divorces you, they're the cheater, but they divorce you and remarry. They come to realize they're living in sin and they remarry the original couple. Is that considered adulterous? No, you mean like if I divorce Carol for incompatibility, I marry Betty, and then I realize I've done what's wrong, and I get out of that marriage and go back to Carol? Is that what you're asking? Correct, correct. That's exactly what I should do, exactly what I should do. I should not only terminate that marriage with Betty, I should seek reconciliation with Carol. I'm looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 11. It says, Unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. That's that's a command from the Lord. The wife is not to depart. So let's suppose she departs. She's committed to sin. Now what should she do? She's departed. It says, verse 11, but if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And let not the husband put away his wife. So what's she supposed to do if she's departed sinfully and she wants to do what's right? Try to be reconciled. Now, what if he won't take her back? Then he has to remain she has to remain unmarried. Don't commit this additional sin of adultery, but she's supposed 
to try to seek reconciliation with that original spouse, which is what your question involves, Michelle. Do you see that? I, I definitely see that. Um, I, I really do. But Let me read you another passage. First, okay. Go ahead. Well, Romans 7, 2, and 3 says this. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she should be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. So the wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. Bound simply means obligated. If she leaves him, divorces him, and marries somebody else, she's committing adultery. She can't stay in that adulterous relationship. She's got to repent of that. And committing, repenting of adultery means you're making up your mind, you're going to quit it. So you can't just say, I'm sorry, stay in that adulterous marriage. You have to get out of that marriage, terminate it, and you seek reconciliation with your original spouse. Because this says she's bound or obligated to him as long as he lives. And getting a divorce from uh, agreed upon by the state of Alabama that go, runs contrary to God's law doesn't change the fact that she's obligated or bound to him as long as he lives. So she's still bound or obligated to him. And he ought to take her back. And if he will, she has to go back to him. You see that, Michelle? Okay. I, I do see that. So just say I was the one left and I was not the cheater. He remarried. I did not. Uh-huh. Am I, and possibly one day, hopefully, reconcile. I've been waiting. I'm not doing some horrible offense toward his current wife. You're doing exactly what you should do. Okay, good. You are still bound or obligated to him, but he's in sin. You can't – it takes two to tango. You can't control what he's doing. He won't – right now, he doesn't want to get back with you, right? Correct. You're still bound or obligated to him, and you're waiting on him? That's exactly what you should be doing. Appreciate that. you doing okay. that, Michelle. Yep. That's the right Anything thing. Anything else, Michelle? No, I appreciate you taking my call. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. Bye-bye. So what I was saying, if the Methodist Church is allowing adulterous marriages to continue, what do you think the next thing's going to be? Gay marriage. So go to 2015. This shouldn't surprise anybody now. Would have, you know, 20 years ago maybe. United Methodist Church leadership voted to submit a legislative proposal that removes prohibitive language from the United Methodist Book of Discipline concerning homosexuality. The proposal would allow United Methodist pastors to perform same-sex marriages in United Methodist churches. This proposal does not consider homosexuality incompatible with Christian teachings, even though Methodists have historically recognized the practice as sinful. So they've allowed adulterous marriages for enough decades that they just now say, well, if we can allow adulterous marriages, we can allow gay marriages. That's why in the last 20 years ago, 20 years or so, so many churches are allowing gay marriages because they've been allowing adulterous marriages for many decades. And they, do, they can see that's inconsistent to forbid gay marriages and allow adulterous marriages. And so they're now, instead of seeing what they doing what they should do and, and allowing neither adulterous marriages or gay marriages, they're going to allow both. It's like two wrongs make a right. Sharon from Pennsylvania, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi. Um, I saw, was listening, and I heard the example of, you were given an example of if you left your wife not realizing it was adultery to go marry someone else for whatever reason, 
then you real you got conviction and you realized it was wrong and you went back to your first wife. You're saying that's what you should really do. But then what happens to that second wife? What happens to her life and what is she to do once she's divorced? Okay. She has never been scripturally married. She's only entered into a marriage that was adulterous. She's never been bound to that okay. man. Because she's never okay. been bound to that man. It would be like this. Suppose two men get married. You can do that in just about every state now. Two men get married, a gay marriage. They repent and they get out of the marriage. That doesn't keep mm -hmm. them from marrying a woman because they've never been in a scriptural marriage. They've never been obligated it. to anybody. It's, it, it was an unscriptural marriage. It wasn't really much different than just living with that person. So they're allowed to remarry because they've never been bound or obligated to anybody. They've never been in a scriptural marriage. That makes sense, Sharon? Yes. So can I ask a follow-up question then? Yes, you certainly can, Sharon. When you were asking about, when you were describing the other additional, the addendums that the Methodist Church has made in terms of mental abuse and all of that, like what about narcissism and being completely abused and mistreated by a spouse? Would that be, what would be your thoughts on that? Like, Jesus said, I can only go by what Jesus said, Sharon. And he said, mm -hmm. whoever divorces their wife, except it be for fornication, mm -hmm. shall marry another commits mm -hmm. adultery. Whoever marries her, which is okay. put away, does commit adultery. So I can only adultery. say what Jesus says. Now, if somebody yeah. gets in a marriage where they're being abused, I suggest, it doesn't mean you can divorce them. Like, if my brother hits me in the face because he gets mad at me, that doesn't mean he's not my brother anymore. But I can, right. if I want to, I can call the police and have him locked up. That's what you should do. Mm -hmm. Call the police and mm -hmm. have him locked up. But you can't divorce them for any reason other than fornication. If, if let's, right. I don't drink at all, but if I go out, if I were to change and start drinking every Saturday night and mm -hmm. getting drunk, being mean mm -hmm. to my wife, that's a sin. I need to repent of that, but it doesn't give my right, my wife a right to divorce me. She can only divorce mm -hmm. me according to Jesus. He says, except for fornication, he can only, she can only divorce me if I cheat on her sexually. You see that? Right. Yep. Okay. Thank, thank you. Thank you thank for you your call, much. Sharon. Thank okay. you. God bless you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. You know, this compromise has bled over into the Baptist church, for example. Here's a quote from Russell D. Moore, president of the public policy arm of the Southern Baptist Convention. He's the one that leads the Southern Baptist church in what policy they're going to make. And he says he recently wrote in a blog post, it is not inconsistent for a church to accept divorced and remarried members with mercy and grace, but require homosexuals to leave their gay lifestyle before joining the congregation. Now, you say, well, what's that talking about? Well, see, the Baptist church is still standing against gay marriage, and that's good. They're still standing against it. But then people are questioning them and saying, why can you be against gay marriage even though you allow adulterous marriages? What's the difference? And he says, we're not inconsistent. We can allow adulterous marriages and and not allow gay marriages, and that's not inconsistent. Well, I suggest to you he's wrong. It is inconsistent. Matthew 19, 9 condemns adulterous marriages. A number of passages like Romans 1, 26 and 27 condemns gay marriages. So they're both wrong. To be consistent, you have to oppose both of them. It is inconsistent for the Baptist church to allow adulterous marriages, adulterous marriages and not allow gay marriages. Now, am I suggesting, advocating now to allow gay marriages to be consistent? No, they would be consistently wrong in that case. They need to quit allowing adulterous marriages so that they'll be consistent all the way through. Condemn both types of marriages. Any marriage that d 
does not conform to the New Testament. Ray from Kentucky, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. My Bible question and comment is this. I wish you had read a little further in Corinthians. The Bible says this. If the unbeliever depart, let, let her or him depart, and you're not subject to that law. Because I know, and I know I went through this and so forth. I go through every day, every day. I go through it. I have to study and I have to look. And talking about death, the Bible says this. If 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 a man is a sinner, he's dead to Christ. Is that right? So What's let's that? read Let's read First Corinthians 7, 15. It says, but if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. Notice. It says if the unbeliever depart, it's basically saying you're not in sin. You can't do anything about that. But it does not say anything about the fact that the one deserted can remarry. Only if the unbeliever commits fornication, according to Matthew 19, 9, could the believer divorce the unbeliever for that fornication and remarry, according to Jesus. If you say that this this believer, the unbeliever is departed from the believer, if you say that now the, the believer can remarry, when this text does not say they can remarry, you're contradiction, contradicting what Jesus said in Matthew 19, 9, when he said you can't remarry. Whoever marries the put away person commits adultery. That's the second part of Matthew 19, 9. So if the, if the unbeliever leads, leaves you, divorces you, and you remarry, you commit adultery. That's what Jesus says. There's nothing in 1 Corinthians 7, 15 to contradict that because 1 Corinthians 7, 15 doesn't say anything about that the believer can remarry if the unbeliever leaves him. Mark from Arkansas, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yeah, I had a question on your topic. Are we assuming that every marriage that's performed is of God? I mean, I am sure there's some marriage out there that aren't condoned by God or are done for the wrong reasons. Well, like, like if you get a gay marriage, it's not condoned by God. Or if one of the parties has been married before, it's not condoned by God. Yes, no, but it's just... It says, well, it, uh, the Bible says, what God puts together, no man put asunder. Who right. say God condones every marriage because but we're going to make the right decision the first time? We do because make the Bible, mistakes. Because the Bible, teaches, the Bible teaches that any single man who marries a single woman, that God joins them together. That's what the Bible teaches. So really what this is, Mark, is a lot of people could just say, well, the Bible says you can only divorce for fornication, but I'm going to just declare my marriage, even though it was a first marriage for me and a first marriage for my wife, I will just say God never joined us together so I can divorce her and remarry. That's just a way to skirt, just a way to skirt what the Bible says in Matthew 19.9. Any single man who's never been married marries a woman who's never been married. Their marriage is joined by God. And God says, do not put it asunder. Now, gay marriages, he does not join. Uh, adulterous marriages, he does not join. If you got, if you could possibly get married to an animal, he wouldn't join that. But a scriptural marriage between a single man and a single woman who've never been married before, he does join them. And any uh, attempt to skirt that, that law by saying, well, we'll just call it not a marriage. God never joined it to begin with, so we can get out of it. That's just trying to get around what the Bible says. So let's go back to our point that if we allow, and this is what churches have done, this is not just the Methodist church, but 95% of the churches out there now have made the same compromise as the Methodist church. A hundred years ago, they used to stand for the truth on divorce and remarriage. If you divorce your spouse 
scriptural spouse for any reason other than fornication and married another, it's an adulterous marriage. You got to get out of it. Matthew 19, 9a. And Matthew 19, 9b, if your spouse puts you away and you remarry, that's adultery. You got to get out of that. <clears throat> hundred years ago, all of the churches stood for the truth on that. Within the last hundred years ago, now 95% of the churches have compromised. And what has that led to? About 50% of the churches across America and Canada now have, that has been instilled in them, compromised for 30, 40, or 50 years. Now they say, and to be consistent, we can allow gay marriage. Why are churches all of a sudden allowing gay marriage? Because they've been allowing adulterous marriages for 50 or 60 years. That's what one thing that led to another. False teaching always leads to other false teachings. Look, if you want to have a free one-hour phone Bible study with me, I want you to call or text me at 256-682-9753. It's free. We'll do it at your convenience. We'll do it over the phone. We can do more than one, but if you do one and you don't like it, you don't feel any pressure to do anything else. Call or text me if you want a free one-hour phone Bible study with me, 256-682-9753. Go. You get all kinds of Bible material at BibleCrossFire.com.